welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast, where we explore strategies and insights to supply chain operations and inventory planning. Join us as we talk to the brightest minds in the supply chain planning and operations space to bring you industry-leading knowledge. We'll uncover what's working in the retail space and explore solutions to common inventory challenges. And most importantly, we'll cover what the future of supply chain holds, a future that is in our very own hands. I'm your host, Divya Bade from Fuse Inventory, a female-founded inventory planning software powering the future of commerce. In today's episode, we talk with Charu Thomas, who is the founder of Oculogics, a company that builds tech to make order fulfillment more efficient. Oculogics customers include companies like Google, Walmart, and other industry-leading retailers. Prior to founding Oculogics, Charu was an internationally awarded wearable computing researcher from Georgia Tech's number one industrial engineering program. Her work has been recognized by premier institutions like Microsoft, the USPTO, and ACM. And she has been featured in top-tier publications like Forbes, Business Insider, and TechCrunch. In this episode, we talk to Charu about the problems her technology is solving, what trends are emerging from this pandemic, and what you can do to prepare your business. We also cover some advice for entrepreneurs and the things you should look out for when starting a business. So Charit, thank you so much for being here today. You have some really innovative tech. I feel like I'm I'm talking to a pioneer over here. And so I know, you know, a lot of it is super relevant in helping brands today, but also just really the way of the future. And so uh, before we get into all that, I I really just want to get to know a little bit more about yourself. Um, I know you have quite the impressive background in in research and engineering, um, as well as even being in the front lines of the warehouse. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and, and what problems you guys are solving? Sure, Divya. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, We got started in 2019, and we've been doing a great job since then. My background is actually in wearable computing, where I worked with the inventor of Google Glass for a number of years, did research, published internationally, in fact, won Best Paper Awards at International Wearable Computing Symposiums, and from there, ended up moving to Northwest Arkansas, where I was part of a Walmart-backed startup accelerator called Fuel. And that's kind of where we learned a little bit more about online grocery pickup, retail stores, and basically developed this thesis that retail stores are becoming micro distribution centers. So we decided to build the technology to enable that to happen more seamlessly and more efficiently. Awesome. So I'm so curious to dive into the products. I know, you know it is wearable technology. I see there's there's the glasses, which is a very trendy thing that came about, as you mentioned, with uh, you know Google a couple of years ago. And so how does it actually work? So can you walk me through the workflow of what what is kind of the use case of somebody and how they use it? And what does a, a business get out of uh, using a technology like yours? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The core value proposition that Ox One offers is enabling workers to operate completely hands-free. So imagine that I am a retail store employee picking out orders for um, online orders that have been through online grocery pickup, for instance. My current workflow is I use a bulky handheld scanner um, and I scan a tote or you know, up to eight to 10 totes at a time to pick out those orders. So then I walk through the aisles and then I pick out the items, scan them, make sure that they're correct and put them in the right totes. 
So Oculogix offers technology to make that process incredibly more efficient. One of our technologies is called OxPortal, and it does all the batching and pick walk optimization for you. So you can uh, pick multiple orders. So not only am I picking Charu's order, but I'm also picking Divya's order and Tanner's order and everybody else's at the same time, while also routing you through the store in the most efficient way. And then there's also the UX of the how, how the user interacts with the device. So those we have two different technology. One is called Ox One, and Ox One is like you were mentioning the smart glasses and wearable technology solution. And so, if I was a worker using Ox One, I would essentially just put on the glasses and any other peripherals that I'd need. So, for instance, Bluetooth scanners, and it would check out totes in a very similar way. And instead of picking up items, putting down the scanner and picking up a 12 pack of tea, for instance. I'd be able to see everything in the field of view. So I'd be able to interact with the device and tell it how many I'm picking, uh, input weights for fresh produce or meat, and move on in that way. So hopefully that's a quick high-level overview of how the technology works. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So so people who are in, in either the warehouse space or that they're kind of treating their stores as, um, you know, those that micro distribution center um, is really those who, who it's going to help. And so I guess with innovative tech, there's sometimes a little advanced for the majority of users, users. You mentioned Google, you mentioned Walmart, you know, those are definitely industry leaders and kind of the trendsetters when it comes to adopting technology to advance. What are your thoughts on what people say who don't really understand the value of wearable technology just yet? Is there a certain point at which it makes sense for some companies and not others? Or is it really a play for companies like Google and Walmart that want to get ahead? Like, What do you say for people who, who aren't as familiar uh, with that technology and what it can provide them? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely do think that wearable technology is a really impressive, you know, top of the line type of technology. If you're really into the supply chain space, for instance, it offers very similar efficiency improvements to a gold standard industry solution like pick to light without the heavy infrastructure that you'd have to uh, put in. The technology is really geared for these Fortune 300 large enterprises that generally have pretty substantial infrastructure already, at least Ox One is. But that's kind of why we actually built Portal and Outline, which are two other solutions that we offer to address those gaps for smaller enterprises or medium-sized enterprises that may still want to offer uh, a more efficient online pickup and store process or um, fulfillment center operations. So Portal kind of acts as a WMS light or a retail management system that enables any store to become incredibly efficient. An outline is a mobile component. So it's a modular mobile application that enables any device to become a smart picking application. So we built those technologies as well to kind of be more usable out of the box. In fact, some of the customers on outline are you know, companies that haven't existed for over a year. So one of our customers went from zero to 73 employees in about four weeks, which is absolutely insane. And Outline was able to uh, make their picking twice as efficient with just one week of onboarding. 
That's incredible. That's pretty impressive. So, you know, regardless of size, it's really a tool that can be utilized uh, across any any size of business to really help them. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what we wanted to do. You know, we wanted to really focus on order fulfillment as a problem. And we started with, you know, these incredibly large, impressive uh, companies, figuring out what we could do there. Um, and then we also wanted to build the platform for a lot of other companies that might not have that kind of infrastructure in place. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm sure there's a lot that they can gain out of that in the current climate. So I kind of want to bring it to the present tense right now with everything that's happening on uh, the retail climate and kind of um, new trends going forward, what's going to become, you know, the new normal in, in this space. What are your thoughts there? What, what are some of the things in, in this realm that are going to become normalized that brands should be aware of now and get ahead of now? One big trend that I've seen, so obviously buy online, pick up in store has absolutely exploded as a result of the pandemic. Um, the sales went from 1.2 billion in August, 2019 to 7.2 billion in July, 2020, which is absolutely astronomical. So I think the big challenge that retailers are currently facing is if they did not have Byline Pickup and Store or any type of distribution center, semi-automation or automation in general, they have been just throwing people at the problem and, and attempting to fulfill orders or build that infrastructure as quickly as possible. And it's, it's definitely a big challenge. And over time, I think people will start to realize, or they're probably already realizing, that a lot of these operations are incredibly uh, inefficient and profit dilutive. So, for instance, you have to offer these operations in order to, you know, maintain a competitive business. But at the same time, if you do and you do it inefficiently, it's not profitable for you. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like digging your own grave either way. Right. So. Investing in automation technology is incredibly important as uh, the market tends to evolve. And we've been seeing that quite drastically as well in our business. Another thing that I've noticed is this trend for um, a hub and spoke model with store operations. So a lot of retailers, if they have pretty strong store presences across the U.S., are reimagining their stores as micro distribution centers. Because it just makes sense. You know, they're closer to a lot of customers in general. Creating a true omnichannel experience is incredibly important to give people the selection that they want while also improving efficiency, right? But it's really, really hard to maintain all those different channels. So there's this interesting emerging, I guess this has been something a little bit older, but this hub and spoke model, right, where you use micro-fulfillment or true automation, you know, so like true robotic systems in the highest volume stores with the most popular items, you know, maybe the top 15,000, because that's generally the limit of a lot of MFC systems. And then in the rest of the stores where you might not have as much volume, you use, an, you know, a lighter type of system, an infrastructure light system that can enable those efficiencies without large infrastructure changes. So I think that's how we've seen it evolving and that is continuing to be accelerated due to the pandemic and everything that's been going on. 
the world of system solutions for brands is, is immense. And, you know, there's there's a lot of systems that kind of are duplicative and, and do a little bit of everything. And then there's uh, systems that are very specific to a problem that's there and they do a really great job at solving that problem. So if I'm a brand and let's say I've been in business for about a year or two and, you know, I've been kind of maintaining operations uh, sans systems, let's say, at what point, you know, what problem am I going to see and what point is it that I, I need a solution like Oculogix to implement in order to uh, solve my issues? Yeah. One thing that comes to mind, so I'll give you actually an example of a customer that we had. So they were a small operation in the Philippines and they had a huge number of people picking and traditional manual methods like pick to paper, essentially. So basically what they were doing is they were printing out order lists and walking through the store to go fulfill the items, which is a great way to, you know, get started and, you know, pretty easy to set up. And the challenges that they were facing related to a few things. One was around budget, obviously. So they scaled up pretty quickly and didn't necessarily want to spend too much on the technology that they would need to orchestrate that process entirely better. Um, so that's one thing. Also, they were since they were international, that also had an impact on their budget. The second thing that came up that was a challenge was their capacity for order processing. So at their height, they were doing about 100 orders a day, which is, you know, incredibly, you know, that's that's quite a few orders <laughs> for a small yeah. stuff. So they were doing a great job, uh, but they were still having a lot of difficulty processing those orders. And it's just interesting that the, you know, the pain points are slightly different, you know, for big enterprises and smaller, smaller types of shops. But we found that those were kind of the biggest pain points that they were finding. So the biggest things that we were focusing, focusing on was improving their ability to fulfill orders so that they could increase that capacity that they were looking for mm -hmm. and doing it as quickly and seamlessly as possible so that it didn't interrupt their operations at all. I know we spent a good portion of time diving into kind of the tech aspect and, and the supply chain, the operations. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk, you know, a little bit about just the journey of entrepreneurship that might be applicable to consumer brands or any other brands. What's one piece of advice to an entrepreneur that you you would be able to provide uh, in the early parts of their journey? Yeah, well, I am a big fan of entrepreneurs. I think it requires a lot of courage and um, acceptance of uncertainty, <laughs> which is really hard for a lot of people, me included. Um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would say to entrepreneurs, as well as even if I was looking back at myself a few years ago, is uh, to find a really incredible team of people who will support you and have a very similar vision to you. I'm really blessed in that I've gotten to work with an incredible group of people. And even though we're a small team, we all are incredibly aligned on where we want to go and the outcomes that we want to achieve together. And that has been absolutely the most important thing um, that I think that we've been able to do. And I think that's the reason we're so productive is because we have this high level goal that we're all reaching towards and you know, everyone's really motivated in their own way. So there's no, you know, there's no real micromanagement or real uh, pushing. Everyone's just 
core motivated in the same direction, which is really, really cool to see. Yeah, no, that's definitely important, especially that aligned, that aligned passion and aligned talent and, and, you know, that camaraderie. It's certainly, obviously, you're spending the most amount of time in your week with these people. So um, no, that's great advice, I think, for, for entrepreneurs of, of any businesses, really. So thank you. Um, I, uh, I want to ask a little bit more than in terms of the best piece of advice that you've ever received is, is there something that comes to mind in terms of throughout any part of your journey, uh, be it early on or current, more recent, um, that's a great piece of advice that you'd like to share. Yeah, actually when I was back in college, my best friend Mackenzie, her father was helping her move in and Mm -hmm. I happened to be there too, because I, I was a roommate at the time as well. And His name is Mr. Atwood. He's an author and he's absolutely incredible, kind of like a father figure to me. And he gave me the best advice that I've ever received. He said, the best start is showing up. And, you know, he he was completely right. That's the entire reason that I think I've come on this path, because I remember thinking of that before I went to go visit office hours of my soon-to-be advisor, Thad Starner, before I'd ever met him. And he's the one who kind of enlightened this passion in me for wearable computing um, with my background in supply chain. So I definitely think the best start is showing up is, you know, the best advice I've ever received. And I think that starting is is definitely the hardest part. Another thing that I'd probably add to that is, uh, and I guess this kind of relates to the entrepreneurship topic and advice related to entrepreneurship specifically is um, that it takes a lot longer than you'd ever expect. So I think it's really common for entrepreneurs or uh, soon-to-be founders to think that, you know, you go from idea and then you find product market fit in, you know, a year, a few months, and then you raise like $3 million or whatever it is, and then you're off to the races. And that happens in some cases. Um, But in my experience, it's definitely a lot less structured than that. In fact, I, you know, had this idea to start a business back in my freshman year of college, you know, so that was about five or six years ago. And that's kind of when the initial inkling came into my mind and started working on it full time only in 2019. So after I graduated uh, and we've done really well, but it's it's definitely a lot longer of a process than I would have anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. And and it all started from Mr. Atwood's advice to to show up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Is there an example of, you know, a mistake that you've made that comes to mind? And and if so, if you were able to go back in time, what advice do you think you'd be able to give yourself um, to offset that? Yeah, that's a really good question. The biggest mistake that I've made is talking to VCs before I was fundraising. I think that that Mm. is a really bad thing. Uh, And it's a really easy mistake to make because a lot of them will, you know, email you and say, Hey, do you want to talk? And now I realize that the answer should be no, unless you are fundraising. But I I clearly was a little bit more naive um, before I knew that. And so, yeah. So yeah. why, why, why is that? What comes of, you know, speaking with them when you're not in that mindset? What's kind of the negative there? Yeah, I think it's just, well, first of all, it's a little bit of a distraction. Um, okay. So that's the first thing. But I think more than that, 
um, if you are not ready to fundraise for whatever reason, and you're not putting your best foot forward, a lot of VCs may, you know, take a meeting with you. And if you do not close the round, that might be a negative signal to them in the future. So mm-hmm. first impressions matter a lot. And that's why I would shy away from meeting with VCs just to hang out because I, you know, that doesn't really exist. A, <laughs> you know, they're trying to figure out what your fundraising plans are. That's what they're asking. Um, and B, if you're not there yet, it's probably best to just say, thank you so much. Um, for the email, I really appreciate that you'd be interested in learning more about my company, but we are not fundraising now. Do you mind if I put you on our update email? And can I follow up when we have more clear plans there? And, you know, probably they'll say fine, but you won't ruin your first impression, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's great advice because I think, you know, I think as somebody that's maybe it's their first company or, you know, they're kind of new to the business world, they might not know that. And so I think, you know, you get, you know, that inkling of interest and it's like you you kind of have this notion that you should say yes to everything, I guess, in, in terms of entrepreneurship, just because you never know. Um, but that's, that's, I think, really great advice um, to kind of protect protect your energy, protect your effort and, and value your worth. Um, and, and in a sense, it almost makes you, I think, seem more desirable because you're not open to having just a conversation with anybody. So I think that that's really great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely think focus is a big thing too. I, I know you just referenced that a little bit, but um, there's a billion things you have to do at all times. And I found that most of them probably don't matter. You know, there's maybe like mm-hmm. five or six things that really do. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and I think some of this has to do with being a woman. And I'm not sure if you relate to this, but I, I definitely am the type to, just say yes to everything because I feel like I have yes. to do everything mm-hmm. and be superwoman and you know whatever it is. But yes. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely not true. And I found found that I'm really, really a lot less effective when I'm splitting my efforts. Yeah. So understanding the strategy for you know a quarter or a year and what you really would like to accomplish, and then delegating to everyone else. It, so honestly, one of the things that I've had to do to get around it is. You know, if someone just emails me and it's not something that I really make a decision on usually because my team is there, you know what I mean? Like they, Mm -hmm. they make the decisions in certain places, obviously. So I just forward the email to them and I say, Hey, I got you connected in the right place and they'll let me know. Um, and that's been really helpful for my time, you know, because yeah, I'm not looped into things that I probably don't need to be in. So. And that goes back to your your point earlier about having a great team is so that, you know, you you can uh, kind of optimize that even further. (laughs) Yes, 100%, 100%. So I'm I'm super blessed to have an incredible team and and they do a great job of, you know, making incredible decisions on behalf of the company. And so you're absolutely right there. (laughs) Um, So I know you spend a lot of time in, in research, so I'm curious. Either through you know that uh, effort or just in general, if there's any specific uh, resource, be it a book or a website or people, or um, I know you mentioned quite a few people uh, throughout this podcast. So, um, what would you say is is the resource that helped you the most, and or if there's a uh, resource that you could recommend to our audience and why? Yeah, um, the biggest cause of inspiration for me is really one of my advisors, Thad Starner. 
That's the inventor of Google Glass and is an absolute visionary. He is one of the smartest people I've ever met, if not the smartest person I've ever met. Actually, now that I think about it, he is definitely the smartest person I've ever met. (laughs) His entire life mantra is to raise the intelligence of the planet, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, And he has a lot of projects, you know, related to that. So obviously wearables are one way to accomplish that. Um, And, you know, bringing about this, you know, new step of human evolution where cyborgs exist, you know, wearables contribute directly to that vision. So that's what genuinely got me interested in wearables in the first place. Um, He also taught me quite a bit of practical skills. Like, for instance, I had no idea how to write a paper or run a research study um, before I worked with him. I learned how to run a user study. I learned how to work in a team with differing backgrounds. And we learned how to publish a paper, one best paper, which was absolutely incredible for my first publication. And yeah, he taught me quite a bit. I also had a lot of hardware prototyping experience that I got. So I got to build my own wearables, obviously test them out. Um, there was one project that we work on, worked on that was a little bit different than my, you know, my current <laughs> pathway, but we actually... Um, I was working on commercializing a glove that could help people play piano without any active practice. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And it also had this alternative value proposition for stroke survivors. So if they had a spastic hand Uh um, that was bunched up, for instance, and they couldn't pick up a can of Coke, Uh they could wear these gloves. And over a period of eight weeks, they would go from, you know, that state where they couldn't pick anything up to being able to ride a bike or, uh, oh, wow. yeah. So it, it was quite a drastic change and it was really, really impactful work. Um, so yeah, he's definitely one of my biggest inspirations. Obviously there's definitely been a lot of other professors and my family and friends who have influenced me as well along the way, but that is one of the biggest supporters and um, motivators for my career because he's the one who got me interested in this next step of human evolution and becoming a cyborg and um, you know he's the one who kind of changing the world (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) he inspired my life that's awesome yeah that's 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 beautiful so I love that just making you know, more intelligent world. And I'm, I'm so excited to watch as you guys uh, grow and, and bring solutions to market that are able to do that. I think that's, that's super unique and it's super innovative. And, and I'm so excited to see you guys uh, continuing to do that. So, um, you know, tell us where people can go if they want to learn more about you, more about your company. Uh, what's the best place to go? Yeah, a great way to contact me is probably through LinkedIn. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. And it's just C-H-A-R-U, which is my first name, Charu. And Thomas is my last name. That's a little bit easier to spell. Um, You can also reach us online at oculogics.com. That's O-C-U-L-O-G-X.com. And I think those are the best ways to reach out to me. Awesome. Char, thank you so, so much for taking part in the podcast today. I think you, there's definitely some great valuable insights in there through through uh, learning more about your company and, and the uh, solutions that you provide, um, as well as just hearing your story. It was really great. So thank you so much for for sharing that with our, with our audience today. Thank you so much for having me, Divya. I'm really excited Thanks. to be a part of it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Fuse Inventory, an inventory planning solution for the digital age. Fuse centralizes inventory sales and procurement data to generate a predictive forecast and inventory replenishment plan to help brands scale their supply chain. If you'd like to learn more, please visit FuseInventory.com or follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Plan less and do more with Fuse Inventory.